Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Burned Ambition. I apologize for my tardiness. I seem to be having troubles with technology, but I am Burned Beauty 2018, and um, I hope you're having a good evening. This is season two of Burned Ambition, and it's called Layer Cake. And I call it that because I believe every experience that we have in life prepares us for another experience. And that's why I think it is just so important to understand our experiences, to celebrate our victories, and to um, share with others because, you know, your story might be right on point with what someone else is going through. And I know I've heard that myself lots and lots of times. Um, and, you know, I've heard lots of people say, um, that, you know, you inspire me and, that oh, I was, you know, having a bad day. And that's what I hope to do in the world. I hope to, to share with people. And, you know, we together are stronger than we are separately. Um, so at the end of episode two, I was just awakening from my coma. And I talked about all those dreams that I had. And I wanted to talk about those because a lot of people don't understand them. I've spoken to people who didn't understand what ICU psychosis is and what those, what those dreams are. And I truly believe it has to do with, because of my faith, that, you know, my soul was, you know, not in my body at that moment. And, um, you know, that it was just living, you know, it was living its own life, you know, that I was, I was still alive. Thank goodness. You know, I was still alive. And, and so if you have a loved one who's in a coma, they're, they're, you know, there's a really high possibility that they're still alive. There's a really high possibility that they can hear you. So tonight, I really wanted to get into it and talk about some of the medical issues that you face when you first wake up, because I had a lot of uncertainty surrounding them. Um, I didn't understand everything, neither did my husband. Um, so I'm going to offer you a trigger warning and sensitive content, because I don't really know where I'm going tonight. I wanted to outline my podcast, as you should. And I tried, but I, I struggled with it this week. And I felt like, you know, in the end, I realized that I just need to speak from my heart because I want people to understand what it is, what your loved one is going through, or that you're not alone in what you're going through. So... You know, at the end of last week, let's just begin there. I was fully awake, but I was very heavily medicated. So I had been looking for my family the whole time that I had been in this coma. And I finally found my family. So I was just happy, happy. 
I wasn't gonna let anything stop that. And I just remembered that my bed started rolling and we were going down the hallway of the burn unit at Grady Memorial Hospital and the ICU nurses, some of them were clapping and a few of them were telling me that they had been caring for me for, you know, for two months. And the chaplain, he saw me awake and he actually did a little dance. He was an amazing man. He did a dance. I think he was from Jamaica or the island somewhere. But I was being moved from the ICU to the ICU step-down room. And that's important when you get moved from there because at that point, your family can spend the night with you. Until then, your family can stay at the hospital, but they can't actually be in the room with you at that time because the ICU rooms are just small. It's just big enough for you, the nurse, the ventilators, you know, all those tubes and things. And it was amazing. So that's why they're clapping for me. They know I'm going to something better. And as I hear some of those nurses' voices, I recognize them. <clears throat> I don't want to cry. I know them. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. From my dreams, I know their voices. And, um, you know, so I get to the, I get to, to the step down room and, you know, I'm just terrified, but I don't want anybody to know about it. You know, everybody's happy. We're all happy. I finally found my family and, you know, my family is happy. I'm happy, but man, I am confused too. You know, I, I remembered everything that happened all the way up until the words push fentanyl in the ambulance. And then for two months, it's just those dreams and my soul bouncing around. And so I'm just the fact that I've been sleeping for two months is so alarming to me. You know, it's so alarming. Like, am I okay? You know, I mean, how bad was it? I did not know it was that bad. So, um, you know, I just, I just, I was wondering if I actually died at any point. I didn't care to ask at the time. As it turns out, I did, or, or at least I went into respiratory distress a few times. But it didn't, it didn't matter. I'm, I'm here now, and I was there then, and I was grateful for every second. And I was grateful for every breath. But at that point, I'm starting to feel my body again. And it is hurting in a way that I just cannot explain. You know, it's aching. And then there's these occasional sharp pains, which is nerve pain. Um, there's a strange feeling in my throat and my mouth that is so dry, like it's the desert, you know, and I promise you, you have never been thirsty unless you've been through something like this. You think you've been thirsty. Just like people say you think you've been hungry, but you never know until something like this happens. You know, before I got burned, I used to drink about half a gallon of water a day. And then I hadn't had any water in two months. Well, what I did have, you know, was all these thoughts. All I can think of, y'all, is, is like a bottle of Fiji water. 
you know, the big 33.8 ounce bottle, that one, the one you can take a big swallow and you can still see the condensation on the end. That's all I want in my life at that moment. That is it. I don't want anything else in the world. So I, you know, say, okay, well, I'm going to ask the nurse for a drink of water when she comes in. And, um, when she came in, I asked her, you know, can I have a sip of water? And she says, no. And she says, I'm not allowed to have food or water orally. Um, only through my feeding tube, which is going up my nose and down my throat. And I'm like, what? You know, what are you talking about? I have had babies. I have had hysterectomy. I have had surgeries. I mean, can I just have one single ice chip, please? No. No. You can't have anything. And I don't understand why. So she says, no, you honey, you can't swallow anything. You'll get pneumonia. You've already had pneumonia. You've got a trach in. You can talk to the doctor and the speech therapist because you'll you'll choke on anything I give you. And I'm just having trouble understanding that. But you know, she leaves. My husband is there and he doesn't understand it either. But I'm terrified because I'm thinking, okay, so I thought I was going to die when I was on fire. And then I heard my husband say, I've got you, baby. You know, I've got you, I've got you. Uh, and, and I think, I'm, okay, I'm going to live. And then I get in the ambulance and I realize that things are pretty bad and that I might still die. And then I survive the coma, wake up think I've made it. Oh, baby, you made it. And now here I am again, realizing things aren't okay. You know, just because I survived and I woke up from the coma doesn't mean that things are okay. You know, things aren't okay. It is not time to celebrate yet. So if that, if you're there and you're feeling that, it's, it's legitimate, it's real, it's scary. You're not wrong, you know, I, I, I won't tell you that you are, you know, things, I, I'm very happy in my life now. And I know that this trauma was a blessing in the end, but it wasn't always butterflies and rainbows. It, I just want one ice chip. And I know that by the refusal to get that one, I get things good. So, you know, I couldn't have it because my muscles had atrophied, just like I couldn't walk, which I didn't really realize yet. <laughs> I couldn't walk, but I also couldn't swallow, you know, that little thing at the back of your throat, that little thing that hangs down your epiglottis. Well, when you swallow something, that little epiglottis, it closes off your trachea, your windpipe, and lets the food or water go down your into your, into your stomach. But mine couldn't do that. So I couldn't have anything. And, um, you know, I'm still waking up. The uh, You've been under s such heavy medications and paralytics 
that you're just, it takes a few days for yourself, for, for, to understand yourself, what is going on, you know, other people are telling you, but you don't get it. The main thing I was focused on though, was my tracheostomy. Um, it's something that I've seen like a whole bunch of times on TV, but I've never seen anybody with one in person. I have seen people on my support, but they didn't have a trach. Um, and there I have this one. Now, I don't know what it looks like because I didn't look at myself in the mirror for about two months because I couldn't. I am a strong woman, like we all know. I know I'm a strong woman. But sometimes part of your strength is knowing when not to do something. And I wasn't ready yet. And if you're not ready to do something yet, if you're not ready to look at yourself, if you're not ready to go out, if you're not ready to, to whatever, don't do it until you are. That's part of your self-care. And, you know, but this tracheostomy I was really bothered by. I, I wear all these necklaces right now and cover it. That's why I'm always like, all these chains are here. But if you really look, it used to be right there. You know, they tell you that it won't leave a scar, but it doesn't leave a scar, it leaves a hole. <laughs> so, um, I could, I could just, I could feel my trach, I could feel a lot of pain, and I can see the tube from the trach going, you know, it's going down my body and it's going to some source of oxygen, I don't know what. And there's a sign that says, if you need to go to the bathroom, just go. What does that mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, it means you can't get up, just go. So you're catheterized and you don't need to get up to go to the bathroom to do anything, if you get my meaning. There's nothing that you need to get up for. And I couldn't understand why I was laying in the bed and my, like, you know, like right now I can shift in my chair. I physically couldn't do that. My bottom was just hurting so much. And you've got bed sores. When you wake up, even though they roll you and move you, you're still going to pick up, I mean, a little bit of something on there. You're going to have some sore spots, and I, I couldn't shift myself. You know, I was dependent on other people for everything in my life, even just rolling over in the bed. And it didn't feel good. I didn't feel happy. But I didn't. I don't know that I've ever talked about this. I don't know that I've ever told anybody how unhappy I felt because I also did feel grateful. I've been looking for my family for two months in my dreams. So I'm happy about that and I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but I, I didn't want to complain. And so I didn't. Um, sometimes I talk to my husband when it was just he and I alone in the room. I would talk to him, um, but never in front of my kids. Um, I cried in front of my daughter once and she burst out into tears and said, and I said, oh my God, what is wrong? And she said, mama, I just don't wanna see you unhappy. I don't want you to be unhappy about anything. So it's just all this emotion when you wake up. And then there's this physical pain. 
And then there's these tubes, and then there's this, how am I going, how am I even going to the bathroom? How am I doing anything? And then there's this question in the back of your mind, am I going to make it? I'm awake now, but am I going to make it? I've got an IV, you know, of course, you know, there's always something in it. They're always putting something in it. I can smell and taste morphine. A lot of people can, not everyone, but I can't stand the smell of it. But it was the only thing that was making life livable at the moment. So morphine it was. So I've got this terrible taste in my mouth. I can't have a drink or an ice chip. There's tubes everywhere, up my nose, down my throat, out of my throat. Um, you know, just everywhere, you know. I, mean, I would later have that uh, feeding tube up my nose replaced with a, a peg tube where they actually did surgery and put these big needles in and put a tube that went through my abdominal wall directly into my stomach. And that's how they're pushing medications that are like tablets. They grind it up, add it to the a liquid, put it in a syringe and push it into your feeding tube. They also push in um, your food, which was five, 300 calorie, some kind of liquid foods that I would get every day. Um, and then the hydration was through that too. My mouth felt terrible. Um, my whole body was bandaged or under compression, or bleeding, like the skin will open up and just start to bleed um, in my face. You know, that was the thing that I'd run into the house to look in the mirror at before the ambulance even came because I was so worried about it. And um, my face felt, I, I knew it was bad. I knew I couldn't look at it. I feared that if I looked at myself, I would lose the um, determination to fight for my life. And I still needed to fight for my life. Um, I couldn't think of one single burn survivor that had a burn face that was famous, that I, that was an example, you know? Uh, I can think of Freddy Krueger. Isn't that terrible? That's what I can think of. And I'm laying there thinking, what must I look like? That's what I'm picturing. You know, what must I look like? And, you know, here's my husband, here's my family. Here's oh, I can't look because I need to fight this fight. I need to stay alive somehow. And I've already had pneumonia twice, and I um, ended up getting it again. Um, I, before it was all over, I went septic once. You're still in a fight. It's not all okay because you woke up. And that was breaking my heart. And, and it was terrifying me. I didn't, I wouldn't go to sleep at night. 
I, part of that, part of not going to sleep was the tracheostomy because when I laid down, the trach would like fill up. It would feel like I had this really thick um, stuff in my lungs, like mucus, and it would, it'll like hit the tip of your trach. Your, your trach is sticking out. There's a little cannula in it, a little tube, and it would stop up the end of that tube, and I would feel like I was suffocating and dying. And they would say, breathe through your nose. And uh, I just, I couldn't do it. I would just not be able to breathe. And I don't know if that was anxiety or if I really couldn't do it. I know that my oxygen level really would drop, but is it because I'm not breathing through my nose? I don't know. I don't know any of the things, but I just know I've, I've got this and you know, I've got this trach in. I don't want to lay down. And I'm so scared that if I lay down and go to sleep, I won't wake up again. And I don't know why. There was no reason to think that. But it was, it, I just, I was so afraid of that. You know? So I would fall asleep on occasion. And um, my husband... <laughs> really made him angry because every time I fell asleep, I thought it was nighttime and that I had slept the whole night. And I would be like, why did you leave? Where have you been all night? What are you doing? <laughs> and it's been like an hour in the middle of the afternoon and he just went to get something to eat. And he's like, every time you fall asleep, it's not nighttime. But I had no idea. So, You know, I just, I'm not sleeping, so I'm not thinking well. And the only thing of my body that I can see is my arms. And you can see on here, like, um, the patterns. I don't know. I don't know what you see. There's a pattern in the skin graft. And I think that's from where they, um, there's a machine or something that they use when they take your skin they kind of roll it out to expand it. So you can make one piece of skin three times bigger than it actually is. And so in my mind, I'm thinking that I have this uh, all over my face. And I've got contractures in my arms. So my arms are sort of like this, right? And I can't touch my face. I can get just that close to it, but I can't touch my face. I can't scratch my head. But I can tell that I don't have any hair either. Where's my hair? <laughs> right? And my husband says, well, they had to shave your head. I had had only maybe... Um, um, three or four weaves in my life. You know, hair weaves. I never wore a wig until after I got burned. I always wore my natural hair, which was kind of long. And um, this weave had protected my scalp. That's why I have hair now, even though I still love wigs. Um, you know, I wore wigs in the beginning because my hair had been shaved and then I'd lost it again to an infection. And um, but the, the cornrows and the weave saved my scalp. 
that's one of the miracles, right? Like everything on me burn, my back, my chest, my face, my hair is just right there, right there. But, you know, I'm laying in this bed and I'm miserable. I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not paralyzed. It's just the muscles are atrophied. I can't walk. And I can't swallow. I can't do anything. Um, the nurses were so nice. They would do everything they could for me. And the speech therapist came in and they would test my uh, tracheostomy by giving me some applesauce with blue dye in it. And I put it in, get some applesauce, yes. You swallow it and then open up the trach. There's a little suction that they use, suction it out. If you see blue, you failed. That means the applesauce is going into your lungs and now they're going to suction it all out. Just because you got to put it in your mouth doesn't mean you get to keep it. <laughs> so, but one, one day I somehow passed. I think it was sheer willpower. I was so determined to have just a little half teaspoon of water. And she brought in some spoons and gave it to me. And I was told, you know, water uh, moves faster than anything else. It's a very, the viscosity of it is a very fast moving liquid. And um, you know, so water was ambitious for me, and all I wanted was water. That Fiji water, that bottle, 33.8 ounces, condensation on the end, right? That's all I wanted. And so this lovely speech therapist, Carolyn, uh, I, I do remember you, um, let me, you know, I passed that time, but then the next time I didn't pass. I started getting choked. I would, if you gave me a little bit of water in that teaspoon, it would just, I would automatically cough and it would come flying out of my trach. And, and most everyone was nice about it. But, <laughs> you know, because Carolyn had said, um, I begged her and I pleaded with her to let me have just one single ice chip. And she wrote in my records, that for the patient's comfort, I was allowed to have a nice, nice chip. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't expect that. Oh, <laughs> and so I was allowed to have these ice chips from men on and They made everything feel better. There was a lot of hope in them, you know, because then they start coming in. The other therapists come in and they help you stand up and um, you have to start using the bedpan. And you know, it's just, it's just not sunshine. It's not pleasant. Uh, um, the bed baths were very nice. I, I had to have an, honestly, an Ativan and a pain killer, a pain pill, but 20 to 30 minutes before you could do a bath. Because when they bathe you, they also, um, 
check your wounds, clean any wounds, and um, change your dressings. And the Ativan was because I was so scared. And also because you have to be, you're just laying there and you're just naked in, in front of people you don't know, a lot of people. And they're, you know, they're cleaning you, they're getting the job done, they're rolling you and getting the things out. And it's all professional, but it's, um, you know, it's just, you don't feel good about it. You know, like, it's just, you don't feel good about it. Eventually, you get used to it and it's just like, okay, what, why does everybody want to see my girl parts here? <laughs> You know, <laughs> eventually, but not at first. So, you know, I don't think that anybody would understand the desperation in the bed after you wake up. And that's why I wanted to use tonight just one ice chip as my metaphor, because that was all I wanted. It was the one thing that I aspired to and someone gave it to me. So sometimes it's just a little morsel of hope that you have to give someone or that you can give someone that'll, that changes everything. Because after I got, you know, my ice chip and I could ask for an ice chip and my husband could give me an ice chip, <laughs> you know, it was like, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. And we would talk, and no matter how sick I got, um, I knew I had to fight. I, I knew that waking up from the coma was not the end of the fight. And I don't want any of you who are in the hospital, if you're listening to me, or if you have loved ones that are in the hospital, or if you have been through this and you're at home recovering now, to think that you should have felt any kind of way other than what you felt or that you should feel any kind of way other than what you feel. What you feel is what you feel. No, this is your experience. And even though we share the same things as burn survivors or as trauma survivors, your experience is specific to you. Your fears are specific to you. Your ambitions, your what, what is it that you want? I wanted not to let it steal my joy. So I didn't look in the mirror. I, I didn't look in the mirror. And I, I don't know, <laughs> for two months. And I, I didn't want it to steal my joy. I've been looking for my family for two months, and now I'm going to enjoy them every moment of it. So there's a lot more. There's, there's a lot more to the physicality of what's going on and all the tubes and how scary they are and all the beeping and the smell and taste of that morphine, if you're one of those that can smell and taste it. Um, this is why this episode defied being written. I can only tell you about how one ice chip can be the thing that makes a difference for you. 
find yours, whatever it is that you need to get through. You find that and you get through. Um, the things with your body are going to be intense. You know, it's the pain is going to be intense for from the burn side. I'm, I'll kid you not. The pain of learning to walk again is unequaled when you stand up and feel yourself um, on uh, the, the way your hips feel, like they're going to collapse when you stand up and feel that. Um, I just praise God for everything that happened, though. Everybody that was there, everything that happened after that ice chip, I realized what I needed to do. So find your ice chip, y'all. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I didn't mean to cry this week. I am actually, uh, I know that it might not mean a lot to some people, but I know if you've been through it, you know, it's like, if you know, you know, because it's not always about being in the hospital. It could be whatever you're going through now in life. Find your ice chip, you know, get it. Know that you, know that you got that. You, you got that one thing you wanted the most and then figure out the rest. Figure out how to make it. Yeah, God is good. And uh, I'm going to take a moment. I will answer all your messages, but I'll go through this at the end. Um, oh, I love the wig on you so much. I always awesome. Thank you. That is Red Velvet by Utre. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. My middle name is Renee, I've probably told you. And yeah, the desperation for just one ice chip. But I think a lot of people have the desperation for just one ice chip, if you get what I mean. What is it that you want? What is it that you need? Good evening, my darling. I won't be able to go through all of them. Oh, but this is good. Um, Pauline says, I'm a retired nurse. So I know what you're talking about with the limes, tubes, feedings, meds. Your story tells me the other side. Thank you for what you do. I'm Pauline because it, or what you did as a nurse. My daughter is a nurse now. Um, after seeing what the nurses did for me in the hospital. And, um, it was the nurses that, that gave me the ice chip, basically, that that kept me going. Um, my family was there, too, of course. And um, that's especially important to have family and friends. But the nurses are, are super, super important. And um, let me see. I want something. Hey, hey, sis, hey, Dorinda, and everybody likes the hair color. Thank y'all. I felt like fall today. All right, I'm going to try to answer them. I want to make sure that there's not anybody that needs any help in here. 
and thank you so much. Let's read this. I just want you to know that you have helped me so much. I lost my son, only child, eight months ago. I know God sent me your real. God bless you and thank you. You're my saving grace. I'm so sorry for your loss. I am sorry. But we have to go on and we have to find our joy. We have to. And then we'll meet all those that went before us when it's our time. Like, I, I terribly miss some people who I've lost. And I just know that I know, I know, Tammy, that my soul was doing its own thing, living its own life. I know that I am more than my flesh, is what I want to say to you. I didn't know I was in the hospital. I didn't know I was, I didn't remember being burned. But I am more than my flesh. We all are. And I, I know it for a fact. I, I lived it. Thank you. Miss Keisha, I'm trying to get you up. Uh, Miss Keisha Jones, if you guys don't know Queen Chloe, look up Queen Chloe or Keeping Up with Chloe. I can't remember what it is on Facebook, but that name, Chloe McNeil, she's an amazing burn survivor. And I know it's the red velvet for you. Okay, Tammy, I've got I've gone over today, y'all, and I kind of felt like I would because I couldn't organize my thoughts. I couldn't get together what I wanted to convey to you. But now I know that I see the message from Miss Tammy. Uh, just know that I get you, you get up every day and you do your best, and you tell your story or you help people or you give them that one ice chip. And if everything I did today and everything I said helps one person, that that makes my life worth living. And um, okay, so I, I'm, I, I'm so in love with all of y'all tonight that I've got to chill. I will let you go um, since we're over time. Um, we'll do next week, same time, same place, and we will talk um, maybe a little more about the physical things you can expect, but not in detail, not not in, in not anything that should be too sensitive, because I want to talk about how you recover and um, what you can expect from the physical rehabilitation. It is painful. It is a mind game, honestly. It is all about willpower. So thank you all so much for joining me tonight. I love every one of you. And 
every day that I get up, I want to inspire someone. I want to be, I want to give them a nice tip. Whatever you're going through, please remember that this too shall pass. Good night.